Well, good morning, everyone. Y'all good today? Man, I'm, I'm glad you guys made it out today. Um, I went out at 5.30 this morning. It didn't look too bad. Come here at 8.30 this morning, it looked a lot worse. But uh, I'm glad y'all made it this morning. Glad to have some snow. Um, help them fires up there. Um, I know Kenneth will probably tell you this at our close, but the, uh, the prayer team is going to be up here in front. If you want to just come and join with them, they're going to pray about the, the things that are going on with the fires and elections and political seasons and stuff like they're going to do that after church about five or 10 minutes after service right over here. So, but Kenneth will remind you. Anyways, good to see you guys this morning. I want to welcome our Facebook live. I know he did that earlier, but, uh, thank you guys for joining us. Facebook live in 3c.tv live or wherever you're joining us from or listen to me later on in the pod later on in the week on podcast uh, we just thank you so much for being who you are and uh, even though you may not be here you are here amen, amen. amen. all right so with that my name is Darren Gleghorn if I've never got to meet you before I'm the lead pastor here at Cowboy Church and and uh, we appreciate you uh, coming and being a part venturing out in the snow and um, we, uh, we just love you. We love you. Since the music's uh, gone, that don't mean you have to be quiet. This, uh, this house is a joyous house. This house is a loud house. This house is a house that people get involved. We're not here to participate, but we're here to get our, to, to just look. We're here to participate. We're not here just to, just to see what's going on. We're participants. Amen. So I know you're going to, you're going to have a, Good time with Josh this morning. So um, with that, I'm not going to take up any more of his time because uh, he, needs to, he needs to get up here. So I'll shut up in just, just a second. But I, I wanted to introduce Josh to you. Josh and Nicole Schmidt, are, uh, they work in our youth ministries. Nicole is out there in the trailer this morning with the junior high. Josh is usually in the, in the back with, uh, with the senior high. And uh, they do such a great job leading our kids. And uh, uh, we talked with Riata. Come on up. Come on up. Everybody, this is Josh Schmidt. We, we talked with Riata this week, and she was talking about youth pastors and stuff like that. And she says, I hate it when an old guy is, is leading us and tries to be young like us. She says, Josh doesn't do that. I'm not quite old yet, but we're getting there. <laughs> a lot older than her. But anyways, uh, it is so good to, to have you. Um, man, first time I heard you speak, you were a gift, and I knew the gift was on the inside of you. Thank you. So uh, anyways, y'all, this is, this is Josh Schmidt, so Thank welcome you. him here. Thank you. Love you. Man, so we're going we're gonna to go on a journey this morning, but what's interesting is... Um, I really don't have a lot to say because worship was unbelievable. And I, I've always got something to say, but I'm like, I don't have anything to top that. I don't have anything to do more than what God's already done this morning. And I feel that he's already brought a freedom for a lot of us this morning. But what was interesting is as I was sitting there, and this wasn't supposed to be a part of my notes, but there's a song that I heard uh, throughout the week, and it's called Starts Right Here by Casting Crowns. And our, our senior t- team, our pastoral team here, does such an incredible job, and they're so sensitive 
to the Spirit in the vein of talking in personal revival with everything that's going on. And this song, I'm just going to read some of the lyrics, um, but it really kind of blows me away with where we're at, with where this song was. And then we'll, we'll jump into the message. But it says, it starts out, we want our coffee in the lobby. We watch our worship on a screen. We got a rock star preacher who won't wake us from our dreams. We want our blessings in our pocket. We keep our missions overseas. But for the hurting in our cities, we would, would we even cross the street? But we want to see the, the heart set free and the tyrants kneel. The walls fall down and our land be healed. But church, if we want to see a change in the world out there, it's got to start right here. Lord, I'm starting right here. Lord, I'm starting right now. I'm like the brother of the prodigal who turned his nose and puffed his chest. He didn't run off like his brother, but his soul was just as dead. What if the church on Sunday was still the church on Monday too? What if we came down from our towers and walked a mile in someone's shoes? Because we want to see the heart set free and the tyrants kneel, the walls fall down and our land be healed. But if we want to see a change in the world, it's got to start right here. We're the people who are called by his name. If we'll surrender our pride and turn from our ways, he will hear from heaven and forgive our sin. He will hear our land, but it starts right here. We're the people who are called by his name. If we'll surrender our pride and turn from our ways, we'll hear for heaven, but it starts right here. And I think that that, that ties in so much with where we're at. We want to see the world change. We want to see our communities change. We want to see our schools change. But a lot of times we look so much outward that we don't realize that we need to change. We don't realize that we're the ones that need to lead the change for the world to see. Because as we all know, we're born into a dark world. And we're born into darkness. And the people in the world, the people of the world, don't have what we have. They have the possibility, but they're never going to know what that looks like if we don't start right here. So we're going to stay in the vein of of personal revival. Um, And and Pastor Lynette, she reached out to me a a month ago and asked if I'd be willing to minister. And she knows as well I've always got something to say. Uh, We just have to figure out if it's that or if there's something else that I'm supposed to say. But she'd asked if I could tie it in with personal revival. And I said, yeah, I'll work in that. And instantly I had something drop in my spirit that we need to talk on brotherhood and sisterhood. And what that looks like. And so we're going we're gonna to answer a call today. And it's a call from God, but I think it's more importantly a call from the world that we live in. And it's a call from the people that you're sitting next to. And that's a call to brotherhood and sisterhood. And so today, I'm posing a question as the title of my message. And throughout the message and by the end of the message, you will have the answer. But the, the title of my message today is, Am I My Brother? And my sister's keeper. First Peter 2.17 out of the New King James, it says, Honor all people, love the brotherhood, fear God, and honor the king. And when you break that out, honor the people says that we bring value to them. What would change in our lives? What would change in our communities? What would change in our houses if we would just bring value to the people that we encounter? When you go to lunch, you can bring value to a, wait, a waiter or a waitress. When you go get coffee, you can bring value to somebody that is working to bring you coffee. We're called to bring value and not destroy somebody because we want to look down our nose. 
And then when you break out love the brotherhood, it says your brothers and sisters. But the message translation says to love your spiritual family. For me, anybody that's sitting in here, anybody that's watching online, you are our spiritual family. It is our responsibility to love one another. It is our responsibility to build one another up, to encourage one another, to continue to grow. We have to do this without an attitude of reciprocation. Because if we come, and the only way I'm going to do something for Kyle is if Kyle does something for me, then we're missing the point. One, I'm not bringing much value to him, but two, I'm not really loving him. So we have to do it without wanting something in return. We don't always have to agree, but we do have to love. And that's, that's the hardest thing right now is if we don't agree, then we can't love. And that's so far from the truth because we can disagree. We can agree to disagree, but we have to love. And that's why we can't do it alone. We have to have the Holy Spirit on the inside of us because there's times I don't want to love. There's times every single one of us in here don't want to love a certain person. They may have just betrayed us, may have just hurt us. And we don't want to love, but we need to. But most importantly, in order to bring value and to love our brothers and sisters, we cannot have a critical spirit. We cannot look down our nose and use the word of God to judge them and then use it as our jury. We can't use what we believe to tell them what they're doing wrong and go out and do the same thing. We can't have a double set of standards like a lot of people in the world think the church has. We can't be critical and then flip a switch and act in love. You can't tell somebody how dumb they are and then be like, but I love you because you're my brother. There's, there's accountability and there's responsibility and there's things that you have to bring. But if I was to walk up to Pastor Greg and say, I really hate you. I don't like anything you do, but I have to love you. What does that convey? That's not, that's not honoring. That's not bringing value. That's not loving. That's asking for love with reciprocation because I'm expecting him to do something before I can love him. And in Luke, we hear the story, and that, that song, I didn't realize it talked about the prodigal son, but it does. But in Luke, we hear the story of the prodigal son. He gets mad. He's, he's at home. His dad's a farmer, rancher. He's got all the land. And he comes to his dad and said, I've had enough here. I'm done. I want my inheritance and I want to go do what I can do. And it's funny because our high school kids are sitting in here. And at one point in high school, I think I probably said something similar to my mom. And she's like, there you go. Rent's this much. The electric bill's this much. Your phone bill's this much. I'm like, whoa, I was just kidding. I was just kidding. But the prodigal son gets his inheritance he goes out and blows his inheritance. He's got a brother. His brother stays back and works. And he goes out and completely blows his inheritance on whatever you can imagine. It was probably stuff of the world. And then he finds himself in a pig pen. In the muck, the mess. He's hanging out with a bunch of pigs. And he has a realization. He says, even my father's servants live better than I do. They live better than I do. So maybe I'm no longer worthy to go back as a son, but I can go back at least as one of his servants. I can go back to serve my father because I've run his name through the mud. Everything that I did, I dragged his legacy with me. Everything that I brought down, I brought down his name. And so he goes to run back to his dad, has the realization, 
And as he's walking back, because sometimes the most humbling adventure is on the way back. Sometimes we have to humble ourselves to come back to God. Sometimes we have to humble ourselves to come back to our earthly father. So he's humbled himself and he's walking. And all of a sudden his dad comes running. And he said, Dad, I'm sorry. I'm sorry that I took everything you gave me. I'm sorry that I ran, that I destroyed everything, that I ran your name through the mud, that now your name is a laughing stock, that I spent all the inheritance and I'm no longer worthy to be a son, but I'm just here to be your servant. And like a good dad does, he completely ignores his plea. Completely ignores it and embraces him. Gives him a hug and says, you're my son. And then he tells his, his servants to go get the fattened calf. We're going to have a party. We're going to celebrate. Go get my best robe, the best ring, the best shoes that I have because we're going to celebrate that my son was dead and he's alive. And I feel like that's the transition that we're in. But let's be real. There's times where I feel, and maybe you guys too have been, we've felt like the prodigal. We've walked away and we thought we were alone. We thought that there was nobody with us. We didn't think that there was anybody to come rescue us. But maybe it leaves us hoping that when we do run away that a brother will come find us. But then maybe, maybe at times we've been the brother because the brother comes out and he's mad. I stayed here. I worked. I didn't run your name through the mud. I didn't destroy what you had. I didn't blow everything that you had given me. Why are we celebrating him? And I think at times, too, we get that critical spirit, and that's who we are. We're the brother instead of the prodigal. I think we play both roles sometimes. But what if this happens? What if the story of the prodigal happens to give us hope that if we were to run away, that if we were to veer off, that if we were to just go crazy, that we know there's a brother that would come searching for us? It would leave us hoping for the big brother that we maybe never had. Some of you have maybe had older siblings, but maybe they didn't chase after you. Maybe they left you alone. But what if it left us a desire on the inside of us, a purpose on the inside of us, that we just want a brother to come rescue us? What if that's the world? What if their desire is for a brother or a sister to come rescue them? And we're sitting in the church. We're not doing anything, but then we're so upset. Man, that was a good filter. That, that one clicked on. My filter usually doesn't work. Um, we're so upset that the world's not changing, but they're out there hoping for the big brother to come rescue them. They're out there hoping for the older sister to come rescue them. And sometimes we don't because we're stuck inside. In Genesis 4, we see Cain and Abel. Cain was a farmer, Abel was a rancher, two brothers again. And what we find out is that when the harvest came, Cain presented his crops, Abel presented the firstborn lambs, and the Lord accepted Abel's gift, but he did not accept Cain's gift. And when I was looking at this, it wasn't because Cain's gift wasn't as good. It was because Cain had a heart problem. He had an attitude problem. Maybe it was a critical spirit. So Abel's gift was accepted. So then Cain, like most brothers, I had two brothers. Most brothers get pretty upset. There's a little jealousy, 
There's a little ego. There's a little pride. We used to kick the tar out of each other just because. But he got mad and ended up killing Abel. He took him out and said, let's go for a walk. And ended up killing his own brother because his brother got something that he didn't. And so the Lord asked Cain, he said, where's your brother? To which Abel responded with the first question to God. And he said, am I my brother's keeper? What's interesting is we respond, we react, but God didn't ask the question because he didn't know where Abel was. God did not ask the question because all of a sudden Abel disappeared. He was giving his brother the opportunity to confess and repent. And I feel like this is the example, the prodigal son or Cain and Abel, I feel like this is the example that we try to live out when we try to do life alone. And right now is even harder because you have government, you have agencies telling you that you cannot be with people. The enemy's only attack is to get you off by yourself. It's a lie from the pit of hell that you can do this thing by yourself. And when we try, we're alone. When we try, we don't have anybody to encourage us, to build us up, to pull us up, to lift us out. And that's where we're at right now is we've got so many people that are scared to death of what they're being told. That they're sitting out there hoping for a brother, hoping for a sister. But we don't know how to get to them. They don't know how to get to us. They don't know how to cry out for help because we're secluded and we're off by ourselves. So we have to have people around us, but I think at times we feel like we're alone. Even knowing there's people around us, I think at times we feel like we're alone. And I wonder if this is the reason that we struggle to be vulnerable with our brothers and sisters. Because we don't know if they're going to be like the brother in the prodigal and not come look for us. We don't know if they're going to be like Cain and get jealous because God gives us something but doesn't give them something. Is this the reason that we struggle so much with vulnerability in between our brothers and sisters? And I'm not talking just in your family. I'm talking this family. Is, there, is that the reason that we can't sit across from one another at dinner or coffee and just be completely humble, open, and transparent? Is there a reason? Is that the reason that when somebody gets too close, we step away? Is that the reason that we hold everybody at arm's distance because you can't know that? I can, you can know this, but you can't know that. We start to do it with our brothers and sisters, and then we do it to God. God, I don't, uh, you can't come here. You can have this part. You can have everything that's good and some of the bad stuff, but you can't have everything. So when we do it with our brothers and sisters, it allows us to step in and do the same thing with God. What exactly does brother mean? And, and it's kind of obvious, um, brother and sister, but I wanted to read some excer- excerpts out of um, Sparkling Gems by Rick Renner on brother. And it says, the word comes from the Greek word eldephos, which is one of the oldest words in the New Testament. In its very oldest sense, the word eldephos or brother was used by physicians in the medical world to describe two people who were born from the same womb. So when the early Greeks addressed each other as brethren, they meant to convey the idea, you and I are brothers. We came out of the same womb of humanity. We have the same feelings. We have similar emotions. And we deal with the same problems in life. 
In every respect, we are truly brothers. The second part of it, and then it says that we're born from the womb of God, related by the blood of Jesus Christ, and members of the same spiritual family. It was also used in the time of Alexander the Great to describe faithful soldiers. These fighting men were true brothers, comrades, and partners who were united in the same fight, had the same weapons, and the ability to win the same wars. Thus, to be a brother meant that a person was a true comrade. Through thick and thin of battle, these soldiers stood together achieving a special level of brotherhood, only known by those who are united to stay in the heat of the fray. When Paul called his fellow Christians brothers, he was telling them, in addition to being blood brothers, we are in a similar fight, struggling or slugging out against the same enemy, and this common fight makes us real comrades. The word brother emphatically declares that it's not really how well you fight in life that counts. What really counts is that you keep on fighting. So don't give up on yourself and don't give up on those believers around you who seem to be struggling. As long as they keep on trying, as long as they stay in the battle, they're worthy of your friendship. Amen. And I think that that's, that's a perfect picture of us as brothers and sisters in Christ because we're going to struggle. We're going to go through things. We all will. And if you have not yet, you will. Just being honest. So if we're in the same fight, if we're in the same battle, and the battle is eternity, and to grow the kingdom of heaven, and we have the same weapons, we, have, we all have the armor of God, we all have the sword of the Spirit, we have the same weapons... As long as we don't quit, you are worthy of being my brother or sister. As long as I don't quit, I would stand worthy of being your brother and sister. Now, there's a time where you're going to feel like quitting. There's a time where you're going to feel like throwing in the white towel and being done. But that's where you have to lean on your brothers and sisters because if we quit... It's no longer, if I quit and I give up and I throw a pity party and I stay there and I don't want to move, it's no longer an obligation that you would look at me as a brother or sister. It's no longer an obligation that I could hold you accountable as my brother or sister. There's no longer the ability that you can look to me and know that I've got your back. We need to have each other's backs, but there's more people that need to understand that somebody has their back. So Roman soldiers, it's pretty cool how their shields were built. They're like three feet tall and two feet wide. But when they're built, they were built with a curve. And when they were carried, it covered two-thirds. Most of them, I'm right-handed, so I'm going to do it this way because I'm backwards with my left hand. But it covered two-thirds of their body. So there was a third of the shield hanging off, and a third of their body was exposed. That allowed for their sword to come out. That allowed for them to pursue the enemy. But what was interesting is when those shields were were made, they were made to link. They were made to come together to build perfect protection. They were made to come together. So the two-thirds of my shield that covered my body, I would need that third to cover my brother or sister's body. Their shield would cover the last part of my body. And what's interesting is as you look at pictures of this, they literally can build a solid wall. Nobody's exposed. Then they would have people in the middle that would put them up, and you literally could not penetrate because they were three layers. They were like three inches thick of steel and wood. But they were designed 
to be linked together. And it's interesting because we talk about the shield of faith in Ephesians. So not only do we need to link shields with somebody, but we need to link our faith with somebody. We need to link our faith with somebody because when we have our faith linked with other people, we're protected on all sides. We're not exposed one-third of our body. We're not exposed when we go to fight. We're not exposed when we go to battle. We're not exposed when we're down and out and just struggling. There's a time where those are meant to be together. That's how they were created. I feel like if we're talking about our shield of faith, our shield of faith was created in the same instance. It's not meant to be just ours. It's meant to link with our brothers and sisters so that we have protection, we have encouragement, we have value. And I'm a pretty visual guy, so we're going to do something here. Um, I've given most people a heads up, but we're going we're gonna to do... Man, I'm glad they carry that. Um, a demonstration of what this looks like because there's a point in my life I had siblings I had friends I had people that I knew I could count on but I wasn't really sure what capacity I could count on so there was a point in life where I thought I had to do everything by myself there was a point in life where I could fight the battles by myself I could take on the world by myself and it gets tiring when you try to do it by yourself you get beat up You get tired, you get overworked, you get sore, and you get to a point where you no longer think you can stand. But then there's a point where Pastor Darren walks into your life, and as I I call you guys, if you guys can come up, because I want to show you something that this looks like. So there's a point where a Pastor Darren walks in your life, and they start to mentor you, they start to pour into you, and they start to link their shield, if you want to come up here, sorry, with yours, And now I'm protected. So we can link arms and I'm protected. And then there's a point where Pastor Greg comes into your life. And they see something. They they are willing to grow and help you grow. They're willing to pour into you. They're willing to have honest conversations with you. They're willing to do things that nobody else is willing to do. And then there becomes a Pastor Lynette. Where she can can fill wounds. We might have to scoot over. It's the Cuban shuffle. And there's a point where she comes in and she helps fill wounds and fill voids. And then there's a Miss Tracy that comes in that's willing to encourage, that's willing to just constantly build you up. And then there's a Rachel who comes in and when your wife is struggling with migraines and you can't do anything because you're at work, she's willing to drop everything and go. And then there's a James where you come in and he's willing, what can I do? This man has one of the most servant hearts I know. Mm -hmm. What can I do? How can I help? What do you need? Every time I put a message together, if you need me, call me. This is what it looks like to link your shields. And it's not just physical, it's spiritual. This is what it looks like when you have people willing to stand with you. Because now if Kyle tried to attack me, he's not going to knock me down. He might, but they'll pick me right back up. It's like a game of Red Rover. The more people you have, the better it is. There's a point where we have to link shields, and this is the position that we're ready to fight. This is the position that makes us battle ready. But then there's a point, if you guys will circle around me, and I'm glad I'm short, and I've lost a little bit of weight because I can fit in a circle. And if you'll look at me, so face inwards, there's a point in life 
where you're just down on your knees and you're like, God, I need your help. My marriage is struggling. Finances are struggling. I'm single and I don't know if there's ever going to be somebody that's going to come along. I don't know if I can continue to do this. And these people around you can begin to speak encouragement and they can continue to speak promise and they can continue to bring value and continue to love when you didn't think that you had it. And then when you're, they're filling you up and you're ready to restore, if you guys would all turn outwards and stay in the circle, there's a point where you can heal and they've got you protected from all angles. There's nothing that can pen- penetrate the wall. There's nothing that can penetrate their faith. There's nothing that can come forth and get me because of their word, because of their encouragement, because of their value that they've brought, the love that they bring. There's nothing that can take me down as I'm being restored. There's nothing that they can't fight off. There's nothing that they're not willing to protect. And when you have brothers and sisters, you can link shields physically and you can link shields emotionally and spiritually and you can be protected so if we all line back up there's a point where we have to realize that we can't do things by ourselves there's a point that we have to realize that we have to walk into battle with shields linked there's a point that we realize that trials come tribulations come that sometimes things just suck But when you have people that are willing to lock faith with you, willing to lock shields with you, bring value to you, love you, and encourage you, it makes it a lot easier. And what I've realized from having this is I don't want to go back to not knowing a James. And as you guys can go ahead and sit down as I call your name. I don't want to go back to not having the support of James. There's been times in our ministry, James is like, whatever I can do, I'm willing to help. There's a time, I don't want to go back before Rachel and Brad came into our lives. I don't want to go back to there. I don't want to go back before Miss Tracy was always encouraging us and building us up when we didn't think we could do it. When Pastor Greg was always leading the way, helping us grow. I don't want to go back before Pastor Lynette came along and continued to encourage and build me up. And I for sure don't want to go back before this man saw a gift and started pouring into me. I don't want to go back before there was a Pastor Darren. I don't want to go back. And I think it's okay that once we experience it, that once we see the goodness of God, that we don't want to go back. This is what it looks like to have brotherhood and sisterhood. And you're like, that's great. That's some great pregame speech, but where do we see it in the Bible? And if you go to Luke 5, 17 through 26 in the New Living Translation, it says this. It says, One day while Jesus was teaching, some Pharisees and teachers of religious law were sitting nearby. It seemed that these men showed up from every village in all of Galilee and Judea, as well as from Jerusalem. And the Lord's healing power was strongly with Jesus. Some men came carrying a paralyzed man on a sleeping mat. They tried to take him inside to Jesus, but they couldn't reach him because of the crowd. So they went up on the roof and took, took off some tiles. Then they lowered the sick man on his mat down into the crowd right in front of Jesus, seeing their faith. It wasn't the man's faith. It was his brother's and sister's faith that healed him. It was seeing their faith. And then he said, he said to the man, seeing their faith, his brother's faith, Jesus said to the man, young man, your sins are forgiven. But the Pharisees and teachers of religious law said to themselves, who does he think he is? That's blasphemy. Only God can forgive sins. And Jesus knew what they were thinking. 
So he asked them, why do you question it in your hearts? Is it easier to say your sins are forgiven or stand up and walk? So I will prove to you that the Son of Man has the authority on earth to forgive sins. Then Jesus turned to the paralyzed man, and he said, Stand up, pick up your mat, and go home. And immediately, as everybody watched, the man picked up his mat, and he went home praising God. Everyone was gripped with great wonder and awe. They praised God, exclaiming, We have seen amazing things today. We need brothers and sisters because at times it's their faith that heals us. It's their faith that brings us out of the pit of hell. It's their faith that brings us out of depression. It's their faith that brings us out of broken relationships. If you don't have people around you and you're in a relationship that's abusive, you need people around you to remove you from that because you're not going to be able to see it yourself. We've got to have people to bring us out of the worst parts of our life, but then they're there with us to celebrate. What's interesting is... They went to someone's house, dug a hole in someone else's roof to get their brother in front of Jesus. We can't leave the church. We've got to start being willing to do whatever it takes to get our brothers and sisters at the feet of Jesus and then do whatever it takes to celebrate them. Because if those men would have celebrated, if they would have lowered him through and then they would have been all mad that he got healed and they didn't get theirs, it completely defeats it defeats everything that they did we have to be willing to get people in front of jesus are we showing them that do we have people that are willing to battle with us that we can go to them and say hey come be a part of our family come be my brother come be my sister this is how we do things here you're not by yourself you're not fighting depression by yourself you're not fighting alcoholism addiction to pornography you're not fighting any of this stuff by yourself because you now are in line with brothers and sisters that are ready to take you where you need to go. We have to be willing to celebrate. Guys, I've seen it too many times where somebody will, will get something and like we've prayed for it and then they're upset that they got it, that that person got it and they didn't. We have to be okay to celebrate. There's going to be times where it's your faith that brings their healing, but if you can't celebrate it, is God going to do it? He's going to help that person, but you've got a heart issue. You turn into a cane and you have a critical spirit. If we have a critical spirit, that's going to hold back the power that we have to move and allow our faith to link shields with our brothers and sisters. And you might still be thinking, well, you don't know me. I'm really quiet. I'm not quiet. I've never had that problem. Um, If you are, we'll pray for you. But you're probably like, I'm quiet. I don't like being around people. I'm introverted. You don't know the last friendship that I had. You don't know what they did to me. Hurt. You don't know the hurt, the betrayal that I faced from my friendships. But let me tell you why we need to be a part of a brotherhood and a sisterhood. Because Paul needed Silas. Paul needed somebody that was willing to go to prison with him. Elijah needed Elisha. We need a good enough friend that's willing to pick up our stuff. David needed his mighty men. The people around us sometimes see more in us than what we see in ourselves. David was in a cave hiding when his mighty men came. At that point, he doesn't look like a good leader to me. The men that became his mighty men saw something in him that he didn't see in himself, and he began to lead. Adam needed Eve. In the garden, God said it wasn't good for man to be alone. 
We need to be locked in with our spouse. If you're married, you need to be locked in with your spouse. As one flesh, you need to to have your shields linked. You need to have your faith linked. And you need to be willing. Honestly, guys, I, I love my wife, Nicole, but there's still probably times where I try to do things by myself. What changes? She might be getting something from God that I'm not. She might be hearing wisdom that I'm not. But if I try to make that decision by myself, we have to be locked in with our spouse. Moses needed Aaron and her. The only way that Joshua and his army were going to win the battle is when Moses had his arms up. The only way he was going to win is when Moses was in this position. I don't know about you guys, but my shoulders are jacked up from playing hockey and doing stupid things as a kid. At some point, my arms get tired, my arms get sore, and I can no longer hold my hands up. I'm guessing the same thing was for Moses because there was times where he let his arms down, but then Aaron and her came alongside and said, no, we've got victory. We're going to hold each other up. Jesus needed his disciples. He needed them to send out as he could only be in one place at one time. He needs you. We need our brothers and sisters. And the last one is we need to be in partnership, brotherhood with the Holy Spirit. We need to be willing and ready to fight for our brothers and our sisters in the Spirit. But we also need to be in the Spirit because there's going to be times where they have to fight for us in the Spirit. So what comes from brotherhood and sisterhood? I found three things, and there's probably more, but it's, it's three things that start with an R. And the first one that I came up with is restoration. As I stood up here and I had these men and these women with me, there's a personal story that ties to each one of them and how they've been with us. Restoration came from me. In 2013, my little brother was killed in a car wreck. Besides calling my wife, the first person I called was Pastor Darren. I didn't know what to do. I hadn't been in that place before, and I needed his help. So he came to the hospital. I felt, you know, in that, what do you feel? You feel... There was, there was anger, there was bitterness, there was hurt, there was pain. But then at the same time, I had to be strong for my mom and for my other brother. I had to be strong for his friends and his family. But I had somebody that I knew that was in my corner. I had somebody that was willing to fight for me that I'll never forget the message he sent me because when things turned for worse, he was on life support. And we got a report the next morning at like 6 o'clock. And they said that they were doing a brain scan, but it didn't look good. And I text Pastor Darren, I said, they don't say it looks good, we're heading back to the hospital. And I'll never forget the message he sent me, and he said, will you serve God wholeheartedly, no matter what the worst is that we think can happen? That's what we need. We need brothers and sisters to keep us going. That was one of the hardest days of my life when we had to make that decision. But there was restoration. There was a moment in the hospital room, we had made the decision take him off life support and there's like 30 people in the waiting room this is how cool god is so we went out and we told him and we had church in a hospital waiting room we started praying for people and people were accepting jesus as their lord and savior nurses and doctors were stopping but that wasn't me by myself that was the brothers and sisters i had with me to not only build my faith but build their faith and in the moment when i went back to say my goodbyes before they had to do everything this is something that when you have those relationships, there's moments that, you, that are, are key in your life and you'll never forget. And I went in, 
and a friend Dustin came in and Pastor Darren came in. And I didn't know this until after the fact that Pastor Lynette was stood on the outside of the door. And for me to be restored, for me to have restoration from God in that moment. Dustin was standing over here as I was by the bed. Pastor Darren was at the foot of the bed. And I just hit my knees and wept. But the restoration came when Pastor Darren and and Dustin walked over and picked me up because I couldn't even walk. And they walked me outside and the three of them gathered around me and just let me have my time. But restoration came because they were willing to fight for me and not let somebody else in. They were standing guard for me at a time and in a place where I didn't know that I needed somebody to stand guard. The second thing that comes is responsibility. Before Nicole and I got married, we were living together. We were trying to figure out how to make things work because we didn't make enough for, for, to pay rent at two places, trying to figure things out. And CW and Kirsty are some of our best friends. And one night, Kirsty called Nicole, and Nicole was watching Tracen when he was little. That was like seven years ago, eight years ago, because he was, he was a baby. And she came over, and she's like, yeah, Josh will be home in a little bit. Kirsty had no idea that we were living together at the time. And because of the relationship that we had, she was able to sit us down and she said, and she shared some of their story. She said, we just want to see the best that God has for you. Not this. We don't want you to settle. We don't want you to take less than the best for what God has. And in that moment, I felt all the shame. I felt all the guilt. There was a part of me where I'm like, man, this is kind of stupid. Maybe I'm done with this whole church thing. <laughs> Trying to figure out. She just wanted the best for us. They wanted the best. And when we have godly accountability that she was bringing, it allows us to take responsibility. We had heard that before. We had heard we weren't supposed to be living together. Nobody had ever sat us down in the love and the care that Kirsty had to that point. There was people that, that helped us after that. But the interesting thing is accountability is not correcting but seeing potential. And this is from Pastor Lynette. She told me I could have it. Accountability is not correcting, but seeing potential. But once we understand our potential, we can make the correction. Had it not been for Kirsty willing to step up out of accountability, bringing us accountability, we would have never had the, the opportunity to be responsible and take action for what we needed to do. And the third thing that it brings is revival. And Pastor Darren explained it so great on Wednesday night on the table talk. He said, revival is the restoration of truth that has died, been lost, or not active in our lives. We have, when we have brothers and sisters, we have the opportunity for personal revival. We have the opportunity for something to ignite on the inside of us that can just spread. Personal revival starts right here. It starts with us. But have any of you ever seen revival take place? With only one person. No, there's always other people involved. There's always people that are going before. I think of uh, the worship leader, Sean Few, and the things that he's doing. He's leading worship revival, but I promise you that man's not doing that by himself. He has worship teams with him. He has ministry teams with him. It was birthed on the inside of him. So what if there's something birthed on the inside of every single one of you that you don't know is there, but it takes your brothers and your sisters to encourage you, to bring value, to bring life, to get that ember to start a fire, to have revival. But it starts, it starts with us. Scripture tells us that we're to lay down our lives for one another. I don't think that's just in marriage. I think that we should have friendships 
brothers and sisters that we're really willing to fight to the death for. There's people in my life that I know would fight to their death for me. I know that they would do whatever it took. It also tells us that we are to sharpen one another. If you're dull, the only way you're going to get sharp is to be around sharp people. If you're not doing anything and you're dull and you're burned out and your blade's broken, the only way to put an edge back on that is to be with your brothers and sisters. In Luke 22, 32, it tells us this. It says, But I have prayed for you, Peter, that you would stay faithful to me no matter what comes. Remember this. After you have turned your back to me and have been restored, make it your life mission to strengthen the faith of your brothers. It is our mission to strengthen the faith of our brothers and sisters. There's a lot of great churches out there. They do things different. But you come here to experience God, to hear the word of God, and to experience the Holy Spirit. But you also come here because there's a brotherhood and a sisterhood. You're not alone. That's why you come here over some of the other places. And we take pride in that. We take pride in the atmosphere. But in that, you must be connected. You can't be mad that you're fighting alone and you've not opened up to anybody. You can't be the last one in church and the first one to leave and wonder why you don't know anybody. You can't be the one that doesn't think that they're good enough to get connected to a team when they see a gift in you that you don't see in yourself and never, never be connected to serve. We need people around us that are in the same vein, same direction we can run with. Sometimes our flame dwindles, sometimes it goes out, sometimes a storm comes through and knocks it down to ash and coal. We need brothers and sisters that are willing to blow on that flame from a spiritual place. We need people that are willing to run with us. It's interesting, we had a conversation with a younger couple last Friday, and Nicole and I had been in the same spot where you get to a point where you start to hang out with people because you want different things in life that your current group of friends don't want. Some of you might be hanging out with people. Some of us might be hanging out with people that we want to grow further in our relationship with God, but the friends that we have are holding us back. Sometimes we don't want to be out partying and drinking, and that's what your friends want to do. And it's okay. Sometimes it's a season to find new friends, to find new relationships. So I've gone through all of this. I've shared all these stories and all of this to tell you, yes, you are your brother and sister's keeper. You are responsible for your brothers and your sisters, just like they're responsible for you. If you find a brother and sister that's struggling and is down and is out, and you just walk by and spit on them, you walk by and kick dirt on them, I don't know what's going to come for you, but I don't think that that's God's best. That's not God's intention for you to walk by your brothers and sisters that are struggling. Who cares if somebody used to come to church and now they're hooked on drugs? Who cares if someone used to come to church and they had an affair? Who cares if somebody used to come to church and now they're battling alcohol? What if they never came to church? Are we going to look down our nose at them and walk on by? Or are we going to accept the call and be our brother and sister's keeper? I'm going to end in this. There was a kid that we had in 2016. And Nicole and I had just been asked to to lead up our junior high ministry. And it's unbelievable what God can do and what he can restore. And this young man was was in there and his mom was in there. And so afterwards, I just had a conversation with him. And I asked if there was anything I could do so that he could come by himself, so that he could be a junior high boy and come by himself. 
And she, she explained some things. He had gotten into some trouble. And I said, what can I do? And she said, well, there's certain things that you have to do. There's things you have to know. I said, perfect. When can we go? And I took my team. I took our leadership team with us at the time. And we went and did what we had to. We got the, the certifications, the tests, the classes. Whatever we had to do, we were going to do so that that boy could begin to grow. That boy, through finding all this out, uh, he'd gotten in trouble. The relationship with his dad wasn't very good. And when he was in getting help, he, he called me and he said, I want, I want to fix the relationship with my dad. And this hits home for me. And I said, okay. I said, what can we do? I said, you reach out to him. I said, we'll be praying for you. So they reached out to his dad. And he finally got to a point where he was excited to talk to his dad. He was excited to start working this out. His dad didn't show up. His dad didn't come. He was making progress up to that point. And then he stepped into a point of being alone. Stepped into a point of not knowing if there was anybody with him. So he had to go back into to getting some more help because he kind of fell back into some things. And then in the midst of all of that, his mom left. His mom left him with an aunt and she moved to a different state. We're out there one weekend and this boy, we were doing a message and I said, we're going to take whatever is holding you back. And we had a little wooden cross out there and some hammer and some nails. And I said, we're going to nail that to the cross and we're going to leave it. It's done. This boy was in 7th or 8th grade, and he didn't know how to use a hammer. And I don't say that for him, but then in the moment, I didn't know if I stopped my message, but there was a brother that was on our team that knelt down and showed that boy how to use a hammer for the first time. That boy continued to progress, continued to grow. I get a phone call at random one time. And it's from his counselor, and he says, he wants to see you and Pastor Greg. We're on our way. So we went, we met with this boy, we met with his counselor. Once he got to a point where he could go places, the first place he wanted to go was church. To see Josh and Pastor Greg. That boy graduated high school. That boy has passed everything that he needed to pass to be welcomed back into society. And all that boy needed was brothers and sisters around him. He didn't have it. He didn't know. All he needed was somebody that was willing to link arms with him because there was a lot of times that boy was down and out. There was a lot of times that boy didn't know which way to fight. You're going to have people. You're going to have people in your life that are like that. He called Pastor Greg and I because he knew we were willing to stand with him. We couldn't fix it for him. But I can dang sure come in and protect you with my shield. I can build a wall around you with people that you trust, that they, the same, same thing that people have done for me. We cannot do life alone. We've, we've got to get connected. We have to be a part of the brotherhood and the sisterhood. Amen. Let's pray. Father, I just come to you in the name of Jesus this morning, and I just thank you for your grace and your mercy and your love. Father, that you would begin to expose areas where we can be better brothers and sisters. And Father, if we feel that we're alone, if we feel that we're doing things by ourselves, Father, if we're just down and out, we need somebody to pick us up. Father, that you would highlight people that we could go to. Or Father, that you would even highlight us for people to come to, to encourage, to bring value, to show love 
in a way that they've never experienced, Father. And I just ask, and I thank you so much for the sweetness of your Holy Spirit. And I just ask that you move through here. Father, that you begin to open hearts to the, to the fact and the option of brotherhood and sisterhood. Father, that you allow us to be vulnerable. You allow us to be, as Pastor Mike Todd would say, hot, humble, open, and transparent with one another. Father, that we can sit across the table, that we can weep with one another, that we can build one another up, that we can grow. But, Father, that we know that we have people that are willing to not only link shields with us, but link faith with us. And, Father, when you put that ember on the inside of us of personal revival, Father, that we know the people that we are linked with and doing battle with, that are willing to protect us and fight for us, Father, that they can blow on that ember and create a mass revival, Father. But it starts right here. It starts on the inside of every single one of us. And it starts in this family. Father, that we aren't a clicky family. Father, that we can be brothers and sisters as long as they're willing to keep fighting. That there's no other necessary steps that they just won't quit. Father, that you highlight people for us that we've maybe walked away from that need us as a brother or sister right now. But Lord, most importantly, I just I ask right now that if there's anybody in here, Father, if there's anybody listening at this time, if there's anybody that listens in the future, Father, that they, if they haven't accepted you, if they haven't accepted to be into your brotherhood, to be a part of your family, Father, that you would show them in such a way that they know that they know, that they know it's you, that it's not just feelings in their stomach, that it's not just emotions, that it's not just a bad day, but Father, that they would know and they would accept that. So you put on the desire, put the desire on the inside of them like we've all hoped for that big brother to come rescue us. And Father, I just thank you for the men and women in my lives, the brothers and sisters in my life that have not only walked with me and warred with me, that have fought for me, that have fought with me, that have protected me, that have built me up, that have encouraged me. And Father, I just ask that you would bless every single person that's listening to this message with the same type of people. And I just thank you so much for what you're doing and who you are and how much you love us. And I just give you all honor, glory, and praise for it. In Jesus' name. Amen.